He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the leader's cut. This is your first time joining us in this conversation. Welcome to the table. Our favorite thing to do is to pull up a seat at the table where it's not just me and a guest and you, but it's us and the Lord. Because what's the point of sitting down at the table if he doesn't pull up a seat at the table? And today we have a really, really fun discussion with one of my best friends on the planet, my big brothers. This is, I'll call him by his full name because I'm one of the few people that does that, Bradley Dean Larson. Brad, uh, I'm going to give you context about him. And really, uh, the first probably 20% of this uh, episode is going to be some context of our time together, our relationship. And here's why. Uh, in order to fully understand something, the more context you have, the easier it is to understand it. So I want you to hear a little bit of our story, and we're going to talk through navigating various relational seasons where we've learned so much. Um, but let's pray, and then we'll jump right into it. God, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, thank you for Brad and his joining this conversation. Lord, thank you for our relationship. Now, Lord, I, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would teach us all how to navigate the relationships in our lives um, through all the seasons because, uh, Lord, they matter to you <laughs> and especially the ones that you divinely put together. So I pray that this would be not just a beneficial time for every person joining this conversation, but I pray it would be honoring to you. That's Brad's heart. That's my heart. We just want to honor you and we want to help your people. So use this time however you want. Spirit of the living God, would you cut on us anywhere where our flesh has taken hold and it is pushing out your spirit. Cut on our flesh to make more room for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bro. Let's, let's give them a little bit of context for you. Um, why don't you tell them a little bit about you and then I'll jump in and, and talk about how we kind of got connected. Okay. Um, been married for 23 years. I have four kids, uh, two boys, 15 and 18, and two girls that are 21 and 27. Um, so just background, uh, my family, I come from uh, a long line of entrepreneurs. So my grandfather came here in 1963, he built a golf business. He started with a driving range. And uh, then we moved to California and basically built a brick and mortar store there. So I grew up in that atmosphere, grew up in athletics, grew up in the church, probably had a little bit of a interesting relationship with the church. Uh, being an athlete, I was probably more akin to developing in that atmosphere. And church oftentimes was, was a little bit uh, rigid and boring. But um, felt the call uh, when I was 17 years old, and it, it came with a little bit of me being resistant to it and said yes to God. And it's, it's been kind of a whirlwind ever since, uh, I would say uncertainty has another name. It's called adventure. So it's been an adventure. So for several years, uh, I spent time overseas. Um, I got hooked up with an evangelist. We ended up drilling water wells, preaching the gospel to third and fourth world countries. That is completely outside of what anybody I grew up with would, would think I would be doing. <laughs> um, lots of learning in that, uh, lots of seeing God do some pretty incredible things. 
Um, then as I transitioned from that role into the local church, I think at that time I developed a little bit of an attitude about the church because we were doing right the number one job, which was reaching people who had never heard of Jesus. So my attitude got a little bit jaded and <laughs> cynical. Uh, God brought some correction. I started to really see a body that was alive and enthusiastic. That grew. Saw some additional calamity in that environment. Um, senior leader that I worked for got into some nefarious activity. Um, at that time, God was stirring our hearts to plant a church here in Scottsdale. Um, so we came here in 2003. At that time, because we had been so immersed in sort of church, the church world, uh, we came here with a team of people and really just challenged everybody that we're going to go we're going to go get active in the workplace and community and see really what people are doing. So we did that for 10 years. In, in this city here in Scottsdale, we had watched 35 churches come and 35 churches go. We knew it was really hard ground. And then that's when um, somebody had brought to my attention that there was this group from Texas that I hadn't heard of that were planning a church. And my wife and I thought, Man, this has been a tough journey for us. Uh, we want to go be an encouragement, so we found ourselves at an interest meeting. Um, the very first one. The very first one. And uh, it was during that time that the Lord spoke, but I have to be honest, at that time, based on what we had experienced, we, the church we were part of grew rapidly. Uh, 150 people to 4,000 in, in less than 24 months. That's where I learned that healthy things grow, and so does cancer. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it was a good ride, but I will say that um, we sat in that room, sensed God's presence. He spoke to us, but I had some I had some reservations and wrestling with the Lord just about bigger churches, um, which then led us probably a year later to a sit down conversation at Olive and Ivy. Yeah, from my vantage point, uh, the way we hooked up, uh, so that I think there was only like thirty five people at that interest meeting, and so you you guys were 5% of the, <laughs> right. the entire attendance. Um, but before that interest meeting, um, Robert had said, hey, I want you to do a study and see uh, what our churches were planted uh, near you. And then let's sit down and, and let's reach out, establish relationship. And you were the only one that I found. This was early on in ARC because you were, E3 was one of the first seven, 10 seven we were yeah number seven. you were number seven mm -hmm. arc plant and we were the only one over here on the west coast so. shout out arc uh, -huh. uh and so when i saw you I, I got online and listened to a couple messages and very quickly out of nowhere i felt the lord say uh brad is going to bring e3 into gateway scottsdale and the two of you are going to run together and finish together many years from now it was out of no I, we'd never even met i didn't even know you existed you didn't know i existed it was out of nowhere then you show up that this was probably six eight weeks later you show up at the interest meeting the elders are there because we we caused the first scott the gateway scottsdale elders retreat to go inside out here with the interest meeting well, Todd, one of our elders at the time, founding elders, met you at uh, the interest meeting that night. And the first thing in the morning, the next day, he says, I met somebody last night, he and his wife, they are unbelievable. They would be incredible hires for us, but they're senior pastors. <laughs> I knew they were talking about you. 
So I shared with the elders what I'd felt the Lord say. Uh, that, that was what? January was the first interest meeting. Yeah. January, so. February ish. Yep. Um, and then literally a year later, uh, the new year's Eve, you know, new year's week between Christmas and, and new year's, your whole family came to serve us. And afterwards you said, let's go to lunch. We went to lunch and things moved very, very quickly after that. But the part of the story I knew you wouldn't tell is then. So our, our two churches came together and then a couple months later, um, we stepped out in faith to hire you. Um, which to this day is the craziest thing I've ever done. Hands down. Uh, we, we, we could hardly afford ourselves, let alone afford someone at your level. Uh, you were at GoDaddy at the time. You were bivocational. Uh, you, you leave out all my favorite parts of your story because you're just, you're too humble. Uh, but you literally for 10 years were a senior pastor and working 50 to 70 hour weeks at a thriving multi-billion dollar company. Uh, GoDaddy, you were there the early days. You had a lot of favor there. Uh, and when we hired you, they threw the kitchen sink at you when, when we offered you and uh, offered you uh, high level position, stock options. They hadn't gone public yet. And you walked from all of that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Brad? <laughs> like what? Because some that are, are watching this might find themselves in a similar situation on paper. You were leaving being a senior pastor. You'd already left. You were talking about coming on to be a number two, but bigger than that, you, you left a lot on the table knowing that they were going to go public. What was your why? Um, I think, I think there's some, some great foundation to it. Uh, I was raised around a family that were entrepreneurs and um, I love them, but uh, down the path of accumulation and achievement uh, didn't necessarily leave them as the shining example of fathers and husbands. Um, so there was, there was a part of that. Um, part of it was the journey that the Lord had taken me on to really see what the gospel was doing to transform lives on the earth. So the calling piece was there. And then I spent a lot of time, like I'm sure most people who are at their jobs, if they're working in a vocation, like, why am I here? Uh, that was certainly present. And, you know, part of my tone shifted. It went from why am I here to why am I here? Uh, and so what God began to reveal in this revolutionary rocket ship called GoDaddy at the time, um, he, he began to give me perspective and show me what I was in the middle of, what I was being involved with for digital uh, discipleship, digital um, evangelism. And uh, it just started to per percolate. And I think a lot of people, they miss it in that journey because they're looking for the outcome instead of really allowing the process of what God wants to do there. So I had that and we knew what God spoke to us. And it's, it's simple. And to this day, my hope is to, to truly see all that he has uh, with this simple phrase, which was reach the city. So a lot of times when people talk about churches merging and things like that, 
you know, we go back to the last thing that was clear to us on what he said. And I had had during that time, we had, we came here and the average age uh, of a pastor was 55 and older. Uh, I was 28 and knew nothing, but <laughs> 28 just sort of like, let's, let's plow. Um, so there was a season shift though. And when we went to support, that was the stirring, but I felt like the Lord, like it was clear this is this is what's to happen. So I went back to reach the city. So it really wasn't about me or us. Um, it was about him and them. And um, it's not that everything wasn't easy. We've talked about this. Probably, probably the hard, hardest one day um, because we grew exponentially. What God had for us as a family was worth millions. Uh, the day that GoDaddy IPO'd yeah. was a little tough. <laughs> but... Um, but in light of, of what he had asked us to do, it, it's always been an adventure. It's always been saying yes. Hasn't always been easy. And I think sometimes people get this idea that life in the kingdom is easy. Uh, it's not. It's hard. Um, but it is in those obstacles and overcoming those things that we actually, I feel like, we, we get to mature. We, we get a chance to mature. Yeah, that's um, great. So, Yeah, you if it's easy we're not doing it right it's the way i would say true, <laughs> true. It, it, yeah. because it's sacrifice love runs on sacrifice and if he sacrificed his life we are going to find ourselves sacrificing all the time one of the things i love about the way i'm not sure everybody if they would have been in your shoes would have navigated it the same way as you because i can stand before god and say even on the day of the ipo and even the in the days after not once did you ever say to me or anyone else, because if you would have said it to anyone else, it probably would have gone back. You, I, I would go out on a limb and bet everything to my name. You never said it to anyone, including the Lord. Do you know what I walked away from? You never had that attitude. And I think that was one of the things you taught me uh, early, early on, um, because it wasn't a trump card to you. You know, it was like you did it. It was a gift you gave the Lord and you moved, moved on. And I've probably over the last 10 years spent more time talking about, about how God's response, how I believe he's going to respond to you uh, in this next season. But you never did. And to me, that speaks to your character and your integrity. Because, you know, how sometimes when we sacrifice something, some people tend to bring it up a little too consistently, like, now, you know what I laid down for you. Right. Like, you know what I could have had, yeah. you know. Uh, and it's hard to, to have intimate fellowship when we talk like that. I was thinking about uh, our all of an Ivy interaction. Um, we were talking, you were sharing what the Lord had put in your heart before I even got a chance to say <laughs> what was on mine. But it was confirmation. Um, and then in that environment, uh, for those who know this restaurant environment, all these people are around us. And we had a, just a holy moment. But I, th but I think what you deposited, not just in me, but part of the gift and calling on your life is you deposited a prizing of God's presence at a level that um, I, didn't, I didn't have. Um, and so we have richly benefited as an entire family and, and, and really this church. I've, I've heard Tim say it before too. It's intimacy with God was a thing that he, that just had wrecked him 
um, that God had given to you. And it's just been really true. There is something tangibly and experience, experientially uh, that God has given you for, for intimacy with God. So those first five years, we, we got to go together on some pretty great hot streaks. Uh, and by and large, and there were others that were with us, but you and I, um, you know, if this is battle and this is farming, uh, you and I carried a weight that was different than anybody else in the staff. Uh, as it related to warring spiritually, but also plowing spiritually. Uh, when you think about those first five years, what do, you, what do you feel like the Lord taught you that, the first five mm. together? The first five years. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we, we had uh, for seven years when, when we were E3 church, it was set up and tear down for seven years. And then the last three were not. We were <laughs> so then when we came together you had to do it all over again. We, we started set up and tear down again. It was such a great reality. Uh we've talked about this, like uh to humble myself, right? You can't ask God to humble you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So it wasn't because the ego, it just was coming into this this reality of giving birth to what what God was doing. Uh I think the it was interesting in the first year of bringing two congregations together. One is new, and there that comes with it. As most people know, when you're when you are launching a church, you get you get a lot of uh, wonderful, interesting people that come. Usually, they're they're frustrated where they've been. It's just a season of people that come in, um, and we were bringing in uh, people that had had some time together too, and uh, we we learned how to lead them and invite them, not. Uh, force them, but just invite them into what God was doing. This is what this is what is God is doing. You're welcome to come in on this journey. Um, I think we learned how to navigate people. Um, I I learned uh, that you know sometimes the button uh, that was there that I think God's been doing a huge work in my life is uh, sometimes pushing a little bit too hard because it's easy uh, for us to get confused. The biblical order of being and doing it's reversed to doing to be the do to be tree we eat from often and so i think we, we were focused on getting somewhere um but i i may have uh run over a few people um, <laughs> we both did. i mean <laughs> uh, in the journey and not that you know not that i uh am happy about it no that, but i was being cultivated and shaped into a better um servant of people um but the moments that we shared that we prized like uh taking people through those first five years and all that god started opening up we were we were basically you know week to week mm -hmm. and god was super those first naturally two, like I'll, I'll say this for anybody like I, I have not watched anybody navigate the uh the financial component uh, and depth of anchoring to God as the source, like you did. It taught me immense amount, and God kept showing up and showing up and showing up. Yeah, I think one of the things that that I learned those first five years, um, you know, coming out of Gateway and a lot of people, a lot of great mentors um, who helped me learn the right way to do a lot of things. 
And then when I moved here, um, it started to, I needed to transition from being a boy to being a man spiritually um, and didn't even realize it. And you probably more than anybody in that, especially the first five years, you were that voice that was helping me find me. And I think it's one of the things that I hope everybody gets. Uh, yes, you need mentors who help teach you uh, the right way to do things. But then you also need trusted voices that are like family, and they might be family, but that are spiritual family who help you find your way of doing things. It, it's your slant, your perspective on doing things the right way. And, and you, you were that voice for me, you know, and I could go down a list of things that, you know, I had never thought about things that I didn't do that I started doing things that I did that I stopped doing simply because you, you were that consistent voice, not who is gateway press Preston, who are you? What, what is you? What if this is you and what if this is you kind of turn your brain off and doing things the way you've always been taught to do them? And it took years to do. And you were always and still are so gracious to give me space to grow and to learn. Even though on paper, I, I was, you know, quote unquote, your boss, chairman of the board. It didn't, it didn't matter. You gave me space to find me and to get better at being me. Uh, and so uh, there's so many times over the last 10 years where God's used you like divine rocket fuel for me, uh, that if I didn't have you standing with me, and, and I'll say this, we're gonna talk more about it at the end, but um, Holly and I talk about it from time to time. I, I don't know if, how I would have navigated those first two years once you got here, if you weren't here. Like I, I think about how hard at times it was and how dark the cloud would get when the enemy would try and come in. And I, I will just say, you, and I'm gonna be strong, you're an idiot if you try and do what you believe God's created you to do all by yourself. It, it's a, for every person, it doesn't matter what your call is, for every person, the call of God in your life is weighty. It's so weighty that you cannot do it by yourself. And so you're going to need the help and support of trusted individuals to help you carry what God created you to carry. And if you try and do it by yourself, you're gonna get crushed beneath that weight. But if you bring in others, it's going to be, it's still gonna be hard, but it's gonna be a lot easier. So listen to me, don't do it by yourself. There is genius in humbling yourself and saying, I need your help. And I, I think you are the person who, who taught me that, that it's okay to say, I, I, I need you. I can't do this. You carried more weight than I did most of those first five years. I, th I think it's hard for people to say, like, I need you and you need me. It, it is, um, it, it's crazy to look at. God brought us together. I had, I had been in a role of carrying weight, which I think is helpful um, because Certainly. you've been in a position where everything is on you. Um, that gives you grace and compassion because when we switched, 
it really was, a, was mostly on you. Maybe I was carrying some things, but really the, the weight rested where God had placed you as the head of, of this organization. Um, I think I carry a lot of that um, or try to understand that because growing up, my parents both owned businesses and they carried weight and I heard those conversations. So there was a sensitivity understanding that. And I, I do think like we could just talk about like us both having a healthy sense of our identity in Christ, um, understanding our sonship yep. in light of, of uh, even having um, areas uh, that, that aren't perfect mm-hmm. as human beings, but it allowed us to walk, uh, I think, in a mutual um, understanding and submission to one another uh, so that we bas- basically could both look over and and realize that we were we were walking together right and what god was establishing so yeah there's organizational order but then there's kingdom order and that you know i feel like we did for many years we did a great job of of navigating the organizational because we were more focused on the kingdom and in battle no no person is looking going now you know i'm i'm higher up on the food chain than you right when bullets are flying everywhere like no one talks like that yeah and I feel because both of us understood that battle mentality spiritually in the warfare, there wasn't, there wasn't that, you know, uh, you didn't feel less than, and I wasn't trying to walk around because it was like, I couldn't survive without you. So it's, yeah. it's let's fight, let's win, you know? And I, I think you can always tell the maturity of someone by how much immature stuff comes out of their mouth. And that's the kind of immature stuff. Like God's not looking when, when I go in to be alone with him and going, I'd like to welcome into my presence, the chairman of the board of it. Buddy, he, he doesn't talk like that. So if he doesn't talk like that about me, why would I, <laughs> you know, like I want to be on the best team. And to this day, you're one of the best players I've ever gotten to play next to. And I'd rather win and not score as many points sometimes then lose a lot and be the high scorer every game you know um but i feel like we learned that dynamic pretty early on where there was we we did a lot of fighting back to back you know um you knew your thing you said it we were both clear on our identity what our strengths were and what our weaknesses were and we we complimented each other very much Uh, well i would say like one of the things that um We've talked about this a lot, just being able to recognize uh, those strengths and giftings um, and really to, I would say, uh, make sure you put an exclamation point on it. Because I felt like early on, it was, it was just easy. God was speaking through you. And I felt like we had to basically be ascribed to what he was doing so that we could then articulate um, basically the core values of what he was giving birth to. Um, so when I look at that, it took a lot longer than most people if they're just going to follow a formula. Um, but what God was giving birth to is coming out um, in what you were giving voice to uh, in, in your prayer closet. Meaning that, you know, when I look at what hangs on our walls or has hung on our walls, uh, fighting for innocence, um, we obviously generosity, we live to give, but we love to Shema, right? Not just not just hear and do, but listen, hear, uh, understand and respond to it. 
so all all the core values took a lot longer than most would you know basically come find, up with their find list a and, formula right but i think that that's the thing that has become abundantly aware to me like god is not an object to be grasped uh, or control he's not a formula to figure out like he's a father to get to know so in the in the building of his bride going slower and being patient is really hard um i've watched the maturity that you've had obviously what's been sowed into you but allowing and and, and in our culture it's instant gratification right. even in our church planting culture it must be god if it if it blows up overnight right. or whatever right. it is not necessarily mm-hmm. that's what i said i learned early on that healthy things can can grow and so can unhealthy things um so it's been the the longest you know process which you knew right god had spoken to you you can tell him what you felt like he said when we were doing this yeah there were a lot of expectations coming as gateway's first church plant and my relationship with robert and coming with cody and the elders had the elders there in dallas had a lot of expectations and they were all high and it, it no one articulated it but you could kind of tell the thought was in two years this will be over a thousand people and one day i felt the lord say preston this is not going to start the way everyone expects you're you're going to seemingly disappoint many in season number one and you're like okay well that that's a great time alone with the lord um pay attention church planners pay attention yeah but you if i would have been running with somebody who would have had the perspective if it isn't growing fast it's not god i i could have been manipulated Mm. but you never pushed me even as entrepreneurial as you are and as many shots as as you uh desire to put up you never pushed me to move too fast and to your point i mean we we really didn't come up with our cultural values until you said i feel like we we've had enough years there's enough coming out consistently let's have a conversation about what is us because i I was just still slowly walking and seeing what the lord was building but you were the one that really pushed that you you mentioned something that i think is a, a great segue into the next part of the conversation um you mentioned about um you know knowing essentially in the way we've said it to each other you know what my genius is i know what yours is and one of the things you have done really well over the years is in moments of immaturity for me um you have typically handled me with a perspective of but i know who he is and i know what god's divinely enabled him to do uh, and I also know he's human. And with humanity, it's going to come some frustrations. And so in those formative years for me, when I was still finding my voice, finding my style leadership-wise, um, I always felt championed by you, that you championed my strengths, you were mindful of them, um, you know, the way one of my friends says it is you have to take the bad with the good everybody just thinks about what's the good and that's what i want to take we're humans in a fallen world you have to take the bad with the good uh and if we're healthy the good outweighs the bad but there's always going to be some some less good stuff 
let's talk for a little bit about because we want to talk about frustration because we've learned so much over the last couple of years. Um, but as a starting point, where did that, that come from? Because it, it, it came out of you very clearly where we'd have talks about something where I'd cross the line. I've done, said something in a way I could have said it better, but you always approached me as, uh, I'm not coming to you as you did bad. You are bad. You would come to me through, I know what God's enabled you to do and anointed you to do, but let's talk about this too. So where did that come from? I think part of it is uh, getting a chance to actually know your own story and then listen to someone else's story, right? So you know my story. Um, early, early on, my oldest daughter is 27. And so I, I had her out of wedlock. So I'm 19 years old coming out of Bible school. The world is chaotic and crazy. And I know that there's a calling on my life and I end up in this situation because there's all this uncertainty and chaos. And so I find myself sourcing to somebody that I thought I could be a savior to and obviously wasn't. Um, that journey, um, the Lord spoke to me, uh, which was unbelievable. Uh, he, he spoke when I knew what I deserved. I deserved plan Z based on my efforts and what I had done. Uh, and he whispered, and it was it was quiet. I have plan A for you. And then he just he just catalyzed something that was unbelievable uh, throughout the course of my life. So in that moment, what I say is, you know, I'm just a trophy of God's grace, right? Everybody could hear that, but trophies don't do anything. They just display the glory and the splendor of the one who did everything. Love it. So he started to root me in understanding. Um, grace, not just as undeserved favor, but divine empowerment. Um, I, so that gives some of it. But what I saw, understanding that leaders and people that have a, a substantial calling are carrying a ton. Um, so for your context, you're coming from a small town, a church that was a small town. Right. I think at the time it was 20. 24 20, when I left. Yeah. yeah. So and when I would travel with you out to uh, to Dallas, you know, you know, everywhere we went. And so I was taking that in and I was weighing that. That's a lot. And then we would be in the rooms, in the elders' rooms, and I, and I watched um, the humbleness and heart of every person in that room, their heart to hear what God had to say. And I watched as God was using your voice and you were, you know, you were choosing like when God spoke to you to speak in those rooms. So I had had, I had, had a front row seat to watch uh, who you were. And, um, I think just looking at my own self in the mirror, uh, and looking at people around me and wanting actually compassion to be the driving force because it was about bringing something to life, seeing, seeing what God had really birthed in us, which meant that there had to be space. We're complex, right? We're complicated. And both of us knowing our family stories growing up, we don't often weigh the weight of the voices that are can be great. You know, you're going to do great things for God. Sounds awesome. Right. It's also a weight. Mm -hmm. uh, and you had incredible mentors and they believe in you. And with that also comes a weight that if we're not careful, it, 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 it's being vacillated in our hearts to perform. And I'm not saying that that's ever been what you've thought, but you're carrying 
all of that weight. So the so the sensitivity part, um, us, our families growing together, like that, that really us working hard to prize that, you know, you had done something with Holly. Holly wasn't responsible to the organization. You let her be Holly. Um, so much beauty in that, you know, and you know this, like first person who really uh, caught us was, was Holly. Mm. She's just so authentic. She's just real. Um, not, I'm sorry, not a typical pastor's wife often who feels like they've got to be something. Um, and so you had done that both for your kids and you had, had uh, done that with your wife. Um, so I think just knowing that, um, leaving some room to be human. I think one of the things that I, I don't know that you and I have talked about this. Um, when you talk about, you know, when you said we're complex, we're complicated, my mind immediately goes to Psalm 139 and David saying, you know, you made me so wonderfully complex. That's the way the NLT translates it. That your workmanship is marvelous. So he didn't lament his complexity. Uh, and oftentimes I feel like a very complicated human. <laughs> where I'm this balance of sweet and strong, mm -hmm. strong and sweet. And um, over the years, I've been very misunderstood at times. And uh, even more than my own wife, because you know our wives, they'll, they go into fight mode, like protect mode. Um, but I think, I don't think anybody made me feel safer uh, especially early on when I knew I was being misunderstood by people. And not only did you understand me at a very deep level, you fought to try and help others have a little more context to me because they would see 0.1% of me and, and possibly make judgments about the type of person I am but you had the most context for me. And it was one of those things where I, I just, I, I felt like I always had someone who understood me and um, was not quick to judge me, but was quick to protect me. Um, and so I, I Lord, no, only God knows how many times you've done it over the last 10 years where if, if somebody didn't fully understand the complexity that is me, that you, whether, whether you help them understand a different side of me, whether you help them understand the weight I, I carry. Um, I, I think that's one of my favorite things about you is you, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, I, I see you kind of a deal. Sure. But a wise man understands. You don't just, you didn't just see me. You understood me. I mean, you got me at a very deep level and you still do. Um, and probably a lot more people would have left the church early on with some of my complexities if you wouldn't have been there to say, let me, let me give you another way to see this. And then I was given the time to really get comfortable in my own skin. Even if I was going to be misunderstood, it didn't matter because I felt safe enough just be be me yeah i think um 
I think that people are overly sensitive to um, themselves. I think there we have to admit we there's a lot of dying to yourself that's going to be involved in the process of actually building a healthy relationship. For sure. I mean, even the last few years, absolutely, it's, it's more of it, right? Um, we can all say relationships are worth it, but really, when they're worth it is when it starts to get even more difficult and complicated. I think some of what that gave birth to, though, is some revelation that we wrestled through, which was like we can say, "You're a Ferrari, you're high performance, and you're high maintenance." Right. Uh, that high maintenance part is not understood often by leaders because you're used to showing up for everybody right you're used to being having the word having the revelation having what they need and and i don't think the first question in the morning to answer is how do i feel i think it's what do i believe but how do i feel is an important question to bring awareness um i just know this as leaders weight i've carried weight you've carried others have carried because you're high performance everybody expects optimal right fuel from you um but that can't happen all the time because we are finite god is infinite but we are finite and if we don't get the fuel we need then the 740 horsepower under the hood doesn't matter doesn't matter it won't even work we'll just be a paper mache on the side of the road I think that that's an important part of this. So we we watched over time. We learned some lessons. I think it, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had 18 to 20 something messages in a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think to a lot of pastors out there preaching 50 times every week, like stop it. Right. It's you, not heroic. It's not. And you're, you know, I, I think some, some time ago I asked the question, when I was doing it, like I'm, I'm coming up with three to five points every week. And then I did the math. Okay. If I preach 50 messages, am I living all 195 <laughs> points that I just preached? Is anyone else thinking this? That's great. I think the people are like, this guy is amazing. <laughs> I don't, I can't even metabolize 195 great. points, uh-huh. but there needs to be that sense. Uh, so when you started to allow and you had you had been obviously in an, in an environment that shaped uh, sabbaticals and, and the health of that, but when you're in those first few years, you got to do it. Right, there ain't anybody else. There ain't anybody else. And, and you know, so you get it done. And I don't think people understand how much gets expended during that time. And God, God gives grace, but there's still an expenditure. And so when we we had fun. Let's think about this. Like the last 11 years has not actually been that tedious. Right. There's been a lot of fun moments. We've had a lot of really great runs of concentrating. What did we do? A hundred dinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We each took 50 dinners, hundred dinners in a hundred days. Yeah, yeah. We each took 50. Um, but we, we also, we also went on adventures, yeah. uh, brought our families together. And those are the, the prized moments, truthfully. Right. And for some reason, people don't actually practice play and adventure. Um, especially busy people, especially leaders, and you ask them, it's not an immature question. When's the last time you had fun? I, I think this thing is about delight and joy and fun. I think God's That's interest great. in righteousness, joy, and peace seems to be a part of the kingdom. Um, you led well. You, you've helped me. And I think over the years, 
it's really made me have to go like, okay, I'm going to calendar. When is the last time I had fun? And when it gets too, too far gone, I realize like I, I am a human doing, not a human being. And I, and I just don't want that. I don't want, I don't want to, my kids to see that only. Yeah. I, especially when we war together, I think it's important that we have fun together. We would get away. We still do. Whether it's fishing, playing golf, hunting, the thing, skiing, skiing. Yeah. Uh, there's a list of things we enjoy to do that bring life to us that especially as we've gotten older and the war got more uh, intense, you ha- retreating is a part of battling. And I think it's something that we've done fairly well, especially this last five years. I don't know that we did it the best the first five years because you and I are both wired so similarly to just grind. Um, uh, but this last five, six years, I feel like we've, we've definitely grown in doing life outside of the battlefield. And because we both bring life to each other, you know, that if, you just, if you just fight, 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 and you help me with this, because I do have a battle mentality, you know, it's just, it's always battle, it's always war. And you definitely help me go, yeah, that's, that's great. And that's a part of your call, but you got to retreat too. <laughs> like you can't, you're going to, people aren't going to be able to run with you for long Preston if, if you don't have these moments of retreat. And so whether it's a, a lift going up a ski hill, whether it's going up a stream in Colorado. Well, I, th- I think especially for the way that God wire, has wired you, uh, you, you prayed Solomon's prayer, uh, begging God for wisdom and for one-liners. A lot of people won't understand that. And, and that, is, that is the way God has shaped you. People won't understand how many years and years and years that that you have accumulated that and there's bullets that you fire i think for the first several years we we might have you know well over three thousand one-liners yeah. uh, some of them 15 20 in messages yeah and i knew that those bullets were not going to be hitting and landing for every person that was <laughs> listening to them that day but god was stacking and storing things but i say that because um you, but you're not a Pez dispenser. Right. And you're not an ATM machine. Right. And people will take and take because they're so grateful, but they're also so focused on themselves. Um, so the opportunity for, for us in ministry and really in life, all of life is ministry. I really believe if we're intentional with it, um, to actually be highly focused that we're humans. And so what I see with leaders is, you know, helping increase our capacity to handle the demands of reality. Um, what I watched in the corporate world is people would go for usually 10 years. Mm. They go hard in the paint. They'd get their exit, make 50, $100 million, grow their hair long, put on flip-flops and uh, become venture capital people. <laughs> That's like their escape. Um, not Not everybody, but the reality is, is like, 10 hard years of that. And I think that people don't often recognize the weight of carrying that leadership uh, and, and, and really out of order of God, like you are doing to be, doing to be, doing to be. It creeps in in every capacity, yeah. um, especially with gifted people. And people don't treat people as humans. I think we've had a really great opportunity to do that. Uh, we've had a lot of moments, a lot of uh, 
conversations that have allowed for our hearts to be shared and you know and that doesn't make every day perfect mm-hmm. you know so um so let's let's yeah. talk a little bit as the we moved into a a season where we started to see two things especially we started to feel our relationship was under attack um and to this day i don't know that even my marriage i don't know that if i i've ever had a relationship for a sustained period of time be this much under assault i mean for me i feel like it's been the last three years it, it, it's just been i'm not blaming everything on the enemy but i mean i could feel it there there were times i would spend lengthy periods of time praying about us because i just i i knew the enemy was just coming guns blazing so so about three years ago we started to to sense our relationship was more under attack uh you were doing laps around your pool i mean they're just different moments we both remember interceding for this Uh, but then also on the human side we started to see more frustration with each other and this is where this conversation will take a little bit of a turn for some of you because maybe you you haven't been uh, around healthy relationships and and maybe you grew up in an environment where uh, in front of everyone you only talk about the great stuff you only um expose so to speak the things that flatter you know the best parts about you or the relationship and you didn't get to spend much time around individuals who normalized humanity we're we're two humans mm-hmm. and we're in process and about three years ago we started to see more frustration with one another so let's talk a little bit when when did you um because then we'll get to now just in the last couple months we've realized why that was there so we'll get to that um but let's kind of live in the tension for a little bit uh, the the season of frustration how would you describe the the season of frustration from your vantage point um you know i i think it um it created hurt um disappointment you basically hold right frustrated expectations and then you're like but what am i expecting um <laughs> that's the complexity of of as things shift and seasons shift it's really not really clear on the dashboard um then a lot is happening i think that's what's hard about life is like both personally like you're not taking inventory all the time of stressors Mm. um and you know we we had we had gone to places that encouraged us to do that (laughs) um a shout out to ultimate leadership Mm -hmm. but you're talking about putting that into the practice and as things start shifting um and and just personally like and and i can only speak for me things that are starting to take place uh you know growing up for me in a family that had a lot of instability and being the youngest who had two older siblings but being the youngest who was the oldest sibling right being looked at as the person who you know basically everything in life was functioning well i have a sister who was in in prison had struggled with drugs and alcohol had been sexually abused a brother who had epilepsy uh, all of that stuff um was was kind of starting to snowball uh for me um 
obviously, you know, my wife lost her father. Uh, you're, you're not even able to put all of that on the table. So I, I, I feel like a sensitivity to things really started, really started to grow for me. I don't know. About and all in you. COVID. This was all during COVID. All during We're managing COVID. A, an organization through, through the greatest uh, season of challenge so far in our lifetime. Yes. There's massive amounts of stress mm -hmm. related to all of that. And God was faithful and good and all of that. But I think that it started to create uh, frustrations that crept in. Um, you know, and you're constantly trying to come back to what you know about that person, you have to, uh, that's right. Um, but you know, there, there were things that you and I talked about in, um, just that, like, I, I would say that probably, um, knowing the fullness of your heart, um, that I, I just know how kind and generous you are. And I was looking for ways to try to bring that up. Um, not always very great. You know, I was telling this to uh, Pastor Tom Lane. We had a good conversation about that. I was trying to be Nathan, and uh, he gave me some good course correction. He's like, you know, Nathan moments are really, really unique and special. In other words, they're not happening <laughs> right. all the time. Right. So I think I was... It happened twice in David's hoping, life. <laughs> hoping for the indirect conversation <laughs> sure. uh, to call to it. But yeah, yeah, I think the... If, if we don't normalize a little bit of frustration, then, then I think what people do as humans is they just try and, and suppress it. And one of the things I learned, once, if you don't acknowledge a frustration and you just shelf it, thereby suppressing it, it's just going to get worse and it's going to create more frustration about even smaller things. So the original frustration might have been a, a, a realistic and very valid thing. But if I shelf it, it starts to create this ongoing frustration that, that starts, number one, it serves a, as an open door for the enemy to come in. And I think the enemy loves to bring his narrative into relationships and go, did you see that? What, what do they mean by that? You know, and that pocket of frustration if i don't deal with it just makes the enemy's job really easy um and and then i think as frustration grows i think one of the things we learned uh it, uh i learned is if i start suppressing and if i don't deal with it it can quickly start creating distance like when i think about the last three years in our relationship and just the the ebbs and the flows We've still done things together over the last three years, but it, it hasn't been full. It wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it was, I think both of us weren't fully dealing with frustrations. And I think it was sweet. It was out of love. It's, I don't want to, you don't want to hurt me. I don't want to hurt kind of stuff. And, but we forget how much we've navigated together. And the more you've navigated with someone, the easier it is to navigate difficult conversations and hard conversations with people you've done hard things with will never end the relationship between two healthy people. Yeah. And I think if I could go back and do anything over again, I would have fought for proximity more. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, because in that distance, the more distance that gets created, the more space the enemy has to just 
run rampant and do whatever he wants. Well, I think the distance 100% creates uh, an interpretation that the enemy likes to just magnify. Yeah. So there's hurt. I don't think it's always easy for people to say that. You know, I think as men, like right. I'm hurt. Right. <laughs> uh, the reality is, is that there's hurt or disappointment. Um, and when it doesn't get spoken, it, it stays. It stays. Right. I mean, it's great. scientifically proven, it stays in your body. And so all of a sudden you're praying, you're doing everything, you know, um, but you don't, you don't quickly start moving towards it. And I just, I, I think recently, like we know Revelations 12, 10, the enemy day and night makes accusation. Boy, does he love to have a field day within that environment. Yeah. Uh, so to be constantly reminded of a picture spiritually, um, you know, of Zechariah 3, He's, he, you know, the enemy is there making accusation against Joshua and the Lord, the Lord rebuke you. He rejects these accusations. I don't know that we do that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, with each other. I think what we'd rather do is like we nurse it because we're hurting. Right. So now you've got two hurting people who really need to come back to the table and actually talk about what they see, what they love, what they value. Um, or we double down. And I think for us, like this is this is my heart, not, not that I've played this out perfectly, but like I have never wanted to want or need from you. We've had a pretty healthy relationship where I've said, uh, this may be not totally true, but like I never wanted to create a clinginess. So we've had a pretty healthy balance. Like we're not, we're not invading each other's lives. We've we've respected the boundaries that have been there. Um, you also don't want to make that such an idol uh, that you never right that it creates distance. Yeah, you're not showing up. Right. Um, and when you start to feel something, right, don't let it get into the driver's seat. Don't let it go into the trunk. It's make great. sure it's on the dashboard and go face it. There would be a lot more health in the body of Christ if people would just go towards those relationships and say what needs to be said. We've talked about this courageous conversations. You know, I've. I've used another word. I won't go into that word, but the opportunity to co-front, to have a a, a conversation is not easy um, always. I think you make space for it, but the, the problem is on my side, I thought making space for it was when I was ready to bring something up to you. <laughs> what I've now looked back and seen is I have to, I do have to pay attention. You and I have had conversations where I have said, like, I'm thinking about all that you're carrying. And you've, and you've said to me, don't be thinking about all that I'm carrying. Um, and because we wear multiple hats, that is extremely complex and complicated. I would admit I haven't navigated that well because it's just, like wearing all those hats right. is a lot of hats to wear. Right. Brothers, best friends co-laborers you know co-governors the you know wife's employer like the, there's a lot of but but worth it of, it is worth I, it. I think that people would be like oh that's too much you right. guys have really but you don't you don't get a lot of what we've gotten to experience if you don't give it a chance just because it's a risk yeah but there's also been a massive reward for us i think one of the things i learned i thought talking to god about what was going on with us was the right thing and so I spent a lot of time talking to the Lord. And I think one of the things I learned this last couple of weeks is just uh, that was a godly thing to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was the best thing to do. Because really what I needed to do was talk to you. Yeah. 
And, and I just, I, the little boy thought he was doing the right thing by just praying. It was, it, we were under attack. And then you go, man, the enemy is so cunning to even take something that's good. And it actually, it, it convinced me, you know, well, I'm, man, my heart's in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. But nothing, this may be wrong, but nothing was going to change until we talked together and we had the hard conversations it's funny you know you, you and i talked and you were like all right let's get together you tell me all the things <laughs> yeah. how i've hurt you you tell me all the things how i've hurt you and i was like i think we got together and we're like we don't even really care about yeah those things yeah we didn't need the laundry list i think we just needed to be present and i i think that's why it's it, it is an emphasis to me practice the presence of god and practice the presence of people yeah i i think you know it's it's interesting to look at uh, how people are wired i'll, I'll go the, the route of uh carl Jung for just a second and how he created the myers-briggs when you look at all these uh the, the four ways of being extrovert and introvert intuitive feeling perception judgment um you can stay in the pattern that you're most accustomed to and it seems like uh, in order in the, in the spiritual journey, you have to step out of the pattern that's most easy for you. So sometimes being like being in a, a prayer closet is going to be a inclination, the way that God is going to develop and grow. And sometimes we have to step out into the area, which you just described, in addition to it. I don't, not in light of it, but in addition to it, um, because we can start developing a, a, a pattern. Um, and I think relationships, they're worth it. They're worth having to risk. Like, Right. I think that's one of our, it's been sweet. You know, both of us know our friends, our mutual friends have experienced frustration with both of us because of <laughs> what's going on between us. And it, 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 the reason for their frustration has been this relationship is too special. Mm. Just don't let go of it. You know, don't, no matter what happens, yeah. don't let go of it. I always had that sense that it wasn't like this personalized frustration. It was just, do you, do you not understand how special a relationship like this is? Do what you have to do to protect it and continue it. I, I think what you and I have talked about is that frustration when we get the right perspective of it might reveal some things that aren't, aren't wrong, but they actually, once we get to have the conversation, it might be that God is stirring something. Right. Um, and we're both on a kingdom directive and path placed in a place that he's put us. And that's not always welcomed. For some reason, we, we, we never came to build our castles. Uh, we, came, we came to build God's kingdom, yep. which requires actually understanding that we're on the same page and we're after the same things. And is there ever any room? That, that has been right an eye-opening thing in this whole uh, journey. Yeah. I, I think, especially this year, the... I think the Lord allowed the frustration to, to grow. And I remember 
when you and I were talking and I felt the Lord give me a picture about before our sons leave the nest and go off to college and begin to, to start their own family. That last two years, there, there's at times some frustration because our sons are called to be priests of their home. And so they start bumping up against <laughs> us as, as the priests of the home that they grew up in. And neither are, are bad. It's not wrong. It's part of the process. I think when I go back to the original word that I felt the Lord tell me that day about you before we ever met, that we'll finish together. I think sometimes when God speaks to us, we connect the dots as though we know the end from the beginning. And that's been eye-opening for me. You know, God says something and you just go, oh yeah, I, I think I know exactly what that looks like. And I think both of us looked and went, oh, well, finishing, crossing the finish line together many years from now, we have to be on the same path under the same roof and, mm -hmm. and which we did for over 10 years. But then you start to realize and go, this isn't about a castle. It is about the kingdom. And it's like Paul and Barnabas. Um, at, when uh, Paul goes this way on the second missionary journey and, and Barnabas goes this way to Cyprus and they both go on hot streaks, we see they, they still have relational equity that they didn't you know, separate forever. Uh, they actually even came into agreement down the road on John Mark. Um, and I feel like for us, we started to see and, and go, okay, this, this, there's frustration, but then there's, you know, Tom had the best picture when he was talking about transition, um, that sometimes frustration is the evidence of roots being pulled up to be planted in a different pot. And while that is freaky to some people and change, people hate change. I think for kingdom minded individuals, I feel like once the two of us got clear on that, then you move into, okay, what must we do? That's, that's a phrase you've used for years. What does this mean? What must we do? Uh, and once we kicked into that mode, I feel like that was one of the things that helped both of us immediately go back to brothers mode, not just best friends, but even beyond that as brothers. Um, and I've, I've said for years, um, you know, I believe in what God has put you on this earth to do. And that isn't because we work together. I, I working together just gave me a front row to see a front row seat to actually see what it is God divinely enabled you to do that. I don't know anybody else can do. And I think I've said this to you. I believe in less than five years as, as we transition, people will look back and go, Preston never could have gotten where he did without Brad. And Brad never could have gotten where he is had he stayed with Preston. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's the kingdom. Yeah. It, it's, and we still ski together. We still golf together. We, yeah. In fact, it's probably going to be easier right? <laughs> yeah. to be brothers and best friends, not working together right. where you're my, you know, you're a refuge for me. Well, I think you... Uh, you can speak to this because there's probably areas to kind of cor correct some of it. But I think in the beginning we were able to, uh, I, f I felt like this, again, my feelings were I was working with you. Then something changed where I was working for you. Now that's not to give anybody who's out there 
kind of the pull that lever. But um, I think for our relationship, um, I, I want more than anything to be a co-labor. And what got birthed here is part of it. Like as we've talked, right, where God is starting to emphasize uh, something that is going to to burgeon really uh, uh, for the body of Christ, but for the earth um, as it pertains to following the pillar and intimacy with God. Uh, there's there's also a part that gave birth here too, which was to um, is to build pillars. Yep. And so the intimacy with God that has been foundationally rooted for me that's coming, and then also this part too. Yep. And since I live a block down the street from this church. I'm not going anywhere. And right. we could speak to that. You asked me. Yeah. You asked me, do you want a senior pastor? A lot of people are going to have to answer that question. Um, since I had already had that right. opportunity, um, my answer was no. I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm, will, I'm going to do whatever God asked me to sure. do, but I understood how he's wired me and made me. We just don't have a whole lot of context when we start to do something that is different. And so, you know, the next part of my journey is going to be doing something a little different which excites me as you know uh i wouldn't bring digital discipleship and digital evangelism to the table if it wasn't different but it wasn't about it wasn't about those things to elevate it was yeah. literally about um god utilizing some some ways that he wants to strengthen stabilize build people so i think it's going to be fun yeah and i i think you know, for most people, when they think about transition, they just go worst case scenario, you know, uh, as though it was some kind of divorce. That's just how people think, you know, uh, and it, it a little bit exposes a lack of kingdom thinking. You know, mm-hmm. scripture doesn't say the, the, the apostles commended Paul and Barnabas and they went in, like, it, we don't know a lot about the, the full uh, issues that were at play, but we see them continue on in building the kingdom and then it not affecting their relationship yeah. in a, a negative way. Yeah. So both of us enjoy uh, kind of setting the bar a little bit and, and saying, you know, we want to, we want to do a transition like this better than anybody. And, and I think as the young us's watch how we do this transition, I think over the years, people will be shocked to see that you probably end up playing an even bigger role in my life and the call of God in my life and vice versa than even when we were running together in, a, in an organizational capacity. Uh, I've told you, when you get the big calls and big deals happen over the years after your wife and any family, I wanna be your first call because I want to celebrate you are someone in my life that deserves to have more than anyone I know. And I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate it even more in the days and months and years to come in part because of what we've navigated together. The, the wars we've won, the, uh, the schemes of the enemy we've overcome. Uh, this is such rare, rare air. Yeah. People, diff- people just aren't, aren't used to it because there has to be. But the ability to be authentic and lay it out, um, I think will help a lot of people. And they have to 
be able to have, uh, I, I would say, like humble yourself, your ego, your excuses, um, the past pain and hurts of your life and disappointments that, you know, we have to realize like we've, we've been disappointed in this life. Yep. Part of, part of living and being a human. Um, and so making sure that all those disappointments don't feed, like yeah. the way that I look at it, you know, the pictures the Lord's given me about a monsoon and a pool and debris getting in the pool. Do you just leave it there? And then like likening that to your heart, you got to clean it out um, and recognize it. Otherwise you just end up with more and more boxes and clutter. Yeah. Um, so it's been, you know, a beautiful opportunity. So let's talk for a minute about what, what is next? Um, because I really, it's really important for me, uh, for you to hear because Brad is one of the most important voices in my life and he's going to remain that, but in the days to come and in, in part of this sit down, you're seeing why, but in the days to come, you're going to especially see why, because in, in a similar way where I was hiding for 10 years, Brad has been obediently hiding and I've told him for years and many others here have as well, including our elders. God has divinely enabled Brad on the content side. His brain works at a pace very few humans uh, will ever experience. And, and there's anointing that comes with it. And there are lanes God has most certainly graced him to run in, whether it's business, whether it's in um, wholeness, you know, abundant life from a holistic, the six pillar perspective. Uh, and he and I are going to do some things uh, this next year because there's nobody else on the planet that I like to talk about the six pillars with more than Brad, but he's going to be throwing himself into that. So that's part of the reason the transition's happening is both of us started to feel you, you were created to run. And there was a season in the early days where I was, I was the breaks, mm -hmm. you know, and God, because God was saying, not yet, not yet. And now you've been sensing for some time, this is that season of life in this 10 years, this, I know God, made me a thoroughbred you and he, he's saying you can go run and part of what i said was you don't need to be every day of your life having to go to an overseer or a board and going what do you think about this can i do this what do you think about this can i do that can i can i can i try this can i take this shot because it just slows you know that's would be a little more bureaucratic and it would slow you down immensely so why don't you talk for a sec about what you're passionate about that you're throwing yourself into in this next season. Yeah. I think for a long time, I, I saw myself as a uh, entrepreneur in God's house, uh, self-titled, not necessarily what the Lord said, um, to step out into uh, entrepreneurial endeavors, I think for most means being di disconnected from people. I don't, I don't think that's the way that God desires for it to be, but I would say over the last several years a stirring in my heart has been towards uh the complete understanding of salvation which is wholeness um shalom is wholeness it's integration so we've talked here about the six pillars uh the integration of your physical spiritual emotional relational financial professional lives it's easy when we lay it out to say do your relationships affect your emotions do your emotions affect you physically does your money affect your emotions? Does it, yeah. Yep. The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so what do we call 
something that's out of order. It's disorder and chaos. And so as it pertains to each of these areas, I think that there is more that's coming to light that um, I would say that neuroscientists, psychologists um, have found, not that psychology is a substitute for spirituality, but they are seeing some things as it pertains to mental health. Uh, neuroscientists are seeing some things. They didn't create anything. They've just discovered it. So when we look at our physical pillar as it as it pertains to the order of sleep and recreation and fuel and movement, um, those things are very important. Um, so when there is disintegration, uh, there's a lack of wholeness. And God's desire is that there is integration. So, you know, what I have been experimenting with is um, bringing people together to actually lead them intentionally into these areas through uh, movement exercise i don't want to use the wrong word here so it causes a person to to kind of freak out but i think that when when people actually recognize that monday through friday there's a lot more action and opportunity for them to integrate um, the practices that are going to create stability stamina and strength um, I think that we have an opportunity to fortify those people, bringing them even into our, our, our services where they're actually healthier and they're able to be commissioned to do what God has called them to, to do. Yeah. You definitely uh, are somebody that I've seen in my life uh, who has an anointing to help people get stronger in every area of life. And to start, I mean, I think both of us and many of us saw during COVID how essential it is to actually be healthy, yeah. not pretend to be healthy, uh, not put on the mask of health, but to, at the core of our being, be healthy um, in the six major areas of our life. And it's going to be fun to watch as, as you step out and start no longer hiding, you know. And I'll just say, I, I know that part of the hiding was because you're an honorable man and, you know, not wanting to create difficulty. And, and you know, um, I think it's going to be a marvel as you come out of hiding and give the Lord more than you've ever given him to work with. And because I do believe your voice is a voice God is going to increase in the day in which we live because this is war and the easiest people to pick off in battle are the least healthy. Yeah. Well, I think the patience part, you know, if I'm in my twenties, maybe a little bit more about me, um, at 48, uh, much more about him and them. Yeah. So as we look at what the, what the foundation of all of it, God's been so efficient and effective in building this, you know, we, we, you have uh, talked about and um, defined cadence as receiving really the fuel from God that you need at a regular interval and rhythm, probably more, uh, more involved than that. But the reality is, is people don't have good cadence. They don't have good rhythm. And so as a result, they're not treating themselves as high performance and high maintenance. And as a result, um, they've not expanded 
the opportunity to be able to handle their emotions in a healthy way. So they're either going in the trunk or the driver's seat. They're not on the dashboard. Yeah. Um, for men, you know, women have emotions. No humans have emotions. Right. And there is healthy ways to begin to process it. And if not, uh, your body uh, will hold it. Um, and so we have we have got to enter into the conversation. Uh, there's no Hebrew word for spiritual because all of life is. Jesus isn't going to say, how's your prayer life? As your Bible reading, he's going to actually ask you, how's your life? I think it all matters. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's, it's been in this season. It's been a very fun ride to do it the way we've done it together. Um, and I will most certainly say, and anyone who knows me knows this. Um, I think the two people, if I didn't have my wife and I didn't have you, I don't know if I would have survived some of the years that we navigated together. Um, and I think that's, that's why part of, as we started to, to sense transition together formally, um, I, I didn't even do this a year without you. And so pretty much I don't know how to do this without you because I've never had to. And so working through all of that and realizing, um, you know, you've been the greatest security blanket. I, I have had this, this first 11 years. Um, but as we both step into all God has for us individually and then relationally to be there for each other, um, I don't know that there's anybody in my life I'm rooting for right now more than you because nobody understands um no one your your most fierce supporter doesn't understand how much you've sacrificed all these years and i don't either only the lord truly knows and so i'm excited just to see you giving god more space to rip the lid off and for heaven to open up and for you to see his response to helping me navigate me and all of this because i'm pretty sure i couldn't have done it without you um i think we both know we wouldn't be fully who god made us to be without the covenant relationship that he created with us and so uh a transition is you know it is the reality of of change but where we're sitting right now doubling down on the covenant that God gave us in that uh, there is a lot of excitement because it feels um, that what God is doing right now on the earth is about to get increasingly more exciting. I agree. I really do feel that way. So I agree. Yeah. Well, my hope is that over this next 10 years, the same way that I've found myself saying about you, other than my wife, nobody supported me more than Brad. That over the next 10 years, that I will have navigated this in such a way where you at least once would find yourself saying, other than my wife, no one supported me like Preston. Um, and, and I know you'll always be that for me, but I love you with all of my heart. And while I know the seasons, some have watched us navigate this differently than other seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one of the things I love that you said the other day was, I don't want what's going on with anyone else to affect what's going on with you and me. And that's um, people come and go. It's part of life. Um, a covenant you fight for. And you don't get that with very many people in life. And I'm grateful that out of all the people that I, I could have run with from the beginning, that God made sure that I had the big brother I needed to protect me, to run the block for me, to help describe me and explain me, to help me find me. You know, you, you've given me as much or more than anybody this last decade of my life. And now I can't wait for everyone to have a front row seat to watch God respond to everything you've done that nobody else saw. Because I wouldn't be me without you. And I love you with all my heart. I love you. I, uh, I can't explain how much um, the growth and I would just say the the deepest parts of connection for our family um, has come as a result of the, the time that we've shared. And, and I am fully genuinely looking at what's to come here with a complete expectation that it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow past whatever frustration I felt, whatever frustration we felt into things that uh, are going to be more clear than we'll ever be able to dream. Mm-hmm. Articulate. Well, I I hope that this was, um, especially for the young Brads and young Prestons, um, you're going to need some extremely powerful relationships in your life that are going to go through different seasons. Um, don't be like a young child thinking that uh, life is only gonna be one season. There are many seasons in life, and part of being a healthy human is learning how to navigate every season in whatever uh, state you are in, in the midst of that season. But I hope that what you saw um, in this conversation is that covenant is worth fighting for, no matter what. You're gonna have to sacrifice for covenant. You're gonna have to do hard things for covenant. but it, it will always be worth it. It will rarely be easy. I mean, we know that. It will rarely be easy. But the most valuable things in life rarely, if ever, come easily. And so I can't wait, you know, this next year as, as you and I tackle each of the six pillars. We're going to do one a month. Um, it's going to be a really enjoyable time. And it's us getting to begin this next season together, mm-hmm. even though we're in different, uh, different seats. So uh, I want to pray over your relationships, not just over you, because I'm telling you, if you expect to do anything for the kingdom of God, you better link up. You, you better get under that yoke with the strongest oxen that you can find in this planet. And I'm sitting next to one of those in my life. So I want to pray that very thing over you. God, thank you for friendships. Thank you for covenant relationships. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being present 
in a cord of three strands, that we don't just have to be a cord of two strands, but that when you are joined into that cord, that it's nearly impossible to rip apart. And that's a you thing, God, not an us thing. Lord, I pray over every person who made it to this part of this episode. Lord, I pray over every one of their relationships. But I also pray, Lord, that you would send them oxen, the strong, mighty men and women of God who are like brothers and sisters, who will run with them, who will carry heavy weights with them, who will help protect them, who will pursue them, who will do life with them, who will bring joy into their lives. God, I pray for every one of those relationships. God, would you even now begin to gift them with relationships like this, where two can put even more than 10,000 to flight. Lord, I pray you'd help us all navigate the complexities of humanity. And every relationship we have with a human brings with it complexity. Holy Spirit, would you grant us a measure of wisdom to help us do relationship well? Holy Spirit, help each of us to be a gift to the people we love the most. Anoint us to support what they've been put on this earth to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate Brad doing this. Uh, and really, really excited after the first of this year, when we get into 2024, starting to talk about the six pillars and getting to unleash the beast to my right. We, we, we had to kind of restrain ourselves a little bit in this one, uh, just handling it delicately. But I can't wait to just release the hounds and let you just run and bring that, that genius, divine genius and all the bullets God's given you to help us fight this fight of, of being whole, healthy humans. Yeah. Well, so I think this is a great opportunity for them to just peer into our relational uh, depth and how we're walking all of this out. It's yeah. awesome. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun ride, and it's about to get better than it's ever been. Yes, sir. Well, I love you and we love you so much. Thanks for joining us and spending a little extra time than normal at this table. I love you so much and we'll see you next week.